Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Joining us now on the Schneider Orange Hotline, Eric Name, Milwaukee Basketball Insider, joins us. Eric, how you doing, bud? I'm good. How are you? I am uh, doing well. So uh, this whole thing about uh, we, we had Rick Buecher on a little while ago talking about Giannis and talking about the criticism for the fourth quarter of the All-Star game. And then we just talked about Giannis talking about playing with his brothers. And he had mentioned Milwaukee or L.A. And it's got a lot of people kind of on edge, maybe on the edge of their seats to see, one, what's going to happen with Giannis. Two, does he really want to leave and go play in L.A. with his brother? And, you know, get, first of all, give me your thoughts on all of this. Well, I think the, the big thing to remember, and, you know, we've had this conversation a couple times this year, is that English is Giannis' second language. And as uh, the speaker of the second language, he often takes whatever you put in the question and uses it in his answers. So if you ask him a question where you say, hey, you have one brother in Milwaukee, you have one brother in L.A., would you ever be interested in getting all the brothers together to play together? he's going to use probably both of those phrases in Milwaukee and in L.A. He's not going to go out of his way to say, oh, you're trying to get me to say something about L.A., I'm not going to do that, I'm just going to say Milwaukee. No, he's going to answer your question because that's kind of how Giannis is as a person. He's genuine and he's also someone that is speaking a second language. So he'll, he'll take whatever you put in your question and use that in his answer. Like he's done that forever and it's the same reason why at the start of the year when and they were talking about the Harvard Business Study. Um, you know, it, whatever Giannis said about, you know, if the team isn't playing or is underperforming, would you potentially leave or whatever? If they phrase the question that way, I'm sure that he answered it back in that same way because that's what he tends to do with questions and answers. So I think it's all nothing. Like, I just think he's saying, it'd be great to have all my brothers together. Uh, the two cities that the woman interviewing him mentioned were Milwaukee and L.A., so he used that as his answer. You know, whether it's L.A. or whether it's Milwaukee, it'd be great to have them together. That wasn't really him signaling he was going anywhere. Though Lakers fans would like to believe something else, uh, it, that that part doesn't really mean anything to me. Um, as far as, you know, the All-Star game and him not scoring in the fourth quarter and uh, kind of going through all that, I mean, I think there's, First of all, there's a couple of plays that are going to make you look at this, look at his performance much differently. There's two passes he makes to Kemba Walker. One for a wide open three pointer that he had created uh, that would have got them obviously three points closer to their end goal. Kemba Walker breaks it. It's a wide open shot. Giannis drew three people, made the right play, found Kemba Walker, he bricked it. He also made another play on fast break where he passed it forward to Kemba Walker, where he was going to be able to get uh, a wide open look at a layup which he did get, and he missed. So if Kevin Walker makes two easy shots that someone as talented as Kevin Walker typically makes, uh, I think his fourth quarter gets viewed a little bit differently because we're looking at two assists there. Uh, that helps get his team much closer to that end goal of 157 and makes things a lot more difficult for the team that they're playing against. So I think that, to me, is just one part of it. And then I think the other part is, this is a. It's it's really interesting that this happens on 
a weekend in a month in a year where we're focusing on Kobe Bryant and his legacy and, um, you know, the ways that he impacted the game. And there are a ton of ways that Kobe positively impacted the, the game. Um, one of the ways that he negatively impacted the game was if he had the ball late in the game, he was going to shoot it. It didn't matter if there was two guys on him, three guys on him, four guys on him, five guys on him. He was going to shoot the basketball. And because of that, he didn't shoot the ball incredibly well in clutch time. But he does have a lot of shots that a lot of people remember. And they're epic, right? They're over three guys, fading away, falling out of bounds. Kobe's in this shot. And then he, you know, he became like the king of clutch because of that, because we have these memories that, you know, we remember of him. But he also had a bunch of air balls, and he had a bunch of shots that weren't very good. Right. And he had a bunch of misses uh, because he just took the shot all the time. And once Kobe started to do that, as we started to talk about basketball in a different way and more often and social media came involved, everyone started to view that as the way that you needed to play in the clutch. And then LeBron came along and didn't do that. He made the right pass early in his career. He got crushed for passing it to Danielle Marshall in the corner for a wide-open three that Marshall missed uh, in a playoff game. We saw that again and again, and I honestly thought we had gotten past this. I, I thought as like a collective basketball-analyzing community, we had gotten past the idea that you have to shoot in those moments to be a great player, that you have to force up shots, that you have to do all those things, because... You know, you look at LeBron, he scored four points in the fourth quarter. Uh, he took seven shots. There was a bunch of really bad shots that he took. But because he took them, I guess it's he's better or not afraid of the moment, when in reality, that shot he took five feet from the half-court line was a terrible shot. He didn't want to go against Giannis again. He didn't want to try to drive against Giannis again. So he took a terrible shot, and for some reason, that's a good thing. So, I don't know, I just thought we were past this as a whole of, you know, you have to be able to shoot in the clutch to really do this, when in reality, Giannis has been very good in the clutch throughout his career. Uh, Giannis has been able to do a lot of things that uh, most of the other players in the league don't do, that he measures up well against all these stars. But, like, I get it. He, he didn't close out the Raptors. Kawhi Leonard played better than him in that series. Uh, so this is something that we're going to talk about. And I guess to me it's just a shame. I think there is an interesting topic in there. Um, it's just a shame that rather than having this conversation with nuance, it's just Giannis is afraid of the moment. Giannis can't close games, uh, all this stuff. When in, in reality it's closer to you know the same thing that LeBron was doing when LeBron became a best, one of the best players in the league. Uh, talking with Eric Nam, our Milwaukee basketball insider. I understand that, but it's an all-star game. It's not like you're passing it to a guy who is dramatically lesser than you. You're right. passing it to other all-stars out of kind of respect to a certain extent as well, knowing Giannis, right? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's some respect there. <laughs> I think if you listen, I asked him the question after the game, like if he was upset about not getting the ball more in, in, in those final moments of the game, and he said, well, you know, our offensive game plan was pretty clear. Like we wanted to find a way to attack James Harden, and there were was only one possession where Giannis actually got James Harden on it. The rest of the time, the team LeBron, sorry, I was going to say the Western Conference team, but team LeBron uh, was able to 
switch Harden on to other guys, to a guy like Pascal Siakam, to a guy like Kyle Lowry, where that just wasn't going to cut it, and, and those guys weren't able to, to make it happen. So uh, for the most part, this is Giannis following a game plan. That was the game plan that Nick Nurse had drawn up, uh, and that was the game plan that he was going to execute. And, uh, again, I, I don't know that you can fault him for making the right play or following the game plan. Like, if that's what the game plan does, or says, and that's what Giannis does, you know, I'm, I'm inclined to believe that that was their goal, and obviously it didn't work out. Um, before we get you out of here, I also wanted to ask you a little bit about this team now moving forward. you got some time off. They've had some time off. Now they're getting ready to get back to the unofficial second half of the season. When I was talking to Rick Buecher, I said, tell me a team that is really capable of knocking the Bucks off in the East. He said it's going to be Toronto, if indeed there's any team out there. Do you think Toronto poses the biggest threat? Hmm. Uh, so uh, the thing I struggle with is that Toronto defense is really good, but offensively, I mean, that Toronto team struggled for large portions of last year's Eastern Conference Finals to score until Kawhi Leonard took over. Kawhi Leonard's not there anymore. And Pascal Siakam has made huge strides this year. I'm not trying to take that away from him. Kyle Lowry's a fantastic player. Uh, there's a lot to like about that team. But also, they don't have a Kawhi Leonard anymore. And I struggle to see how that Raptors team is going to score at the level that they need to score to beat this Bucks team. So that one I struggle with a little bit. I mean, I think you can find pretty fatal flaws in all these teams in the East. I think you can say the same thing about the Miami Heat. They covered the Bucks really well. Spolstra has defended the Bucks really well for a long time. But Jimmy Butler is a great player, but he's not as good as Giannis. He, I don't think he can rise quite to that level. And then, Looking around the rest of that Miami team, they have some shooters, but I don't know that they have scores out there that can go out and win games. The Sixers have been a mess all year, but they probably have like the talent on both sides that can really do it. So I think it, the Eastern Conference is shaping up into a spot where the the Bucks are going to have an easy series in the first round. That's going to be a sweep, whoever is the eighth seed, and then the next two rounds are going to be tough. Like the all those teams there can capably defend the Milwaukee Bucks. The big question is whether or not they can score with the Bucks, and it's unlikely that they can, but I think that at the start of the year, it felt like round one was going to be really easy for the Bucks, round two was going to be really easy for the Bucks, and then it was going to be Bucks sixers Clash of the Titans. It was going to be epic, and now the Sixers have kind of fallen off, but there's still a team that can make it tough on the Bucks, which means I think first round's easy. Other two are going to be a little bit more difficult. Uh, and, you know, maybe we see a, a six-game series in the second round and a seven-game series uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. But ultimately, uh, I think when you look at those teams, I just don't know if there's enough talent on the the non-Philly teams. And then I don't know if Philly will have it together enough to actually beat this Bucks team. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at as well. Good stuff, Eric. We'll talk again next week, pal, okay? I appreciate it. Sounds appreciate good. it, buddy. Talk to you soon. Uh, follow him, by the way, at Eric underscore name, N-E-H-M, uh, over there on Twitter. Eric underscore name, N-E-H-M. He joins us on the Schneider Orange Hotline. Schneider hiring drivers right now. You work hard. They treat you fair. 80 plus. They've been getting it done. Call them 844-PRIDE or go to schneiderjobs.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.